What's up, y'all? Happy Sunday. Welcome to day 22 of the 30-day Bible reading challenge. Keep up the great work, y'all. This is so good. And what's cool about it, it don't just have to be 30 days. <laughs> it shouldn't just be 30 days. Um, but we get the rest of our lives to study his word and to learn more about him and to grow uh, more into his likeness. So that's super cool to me. Uh, but I did want to just let y'all know y'all are doing great. Keep it up. I've been enjoying it. Um, we're in Ephesians chapter five today. Uh, if I could kind of explain Ephesians in a nutshell, um, I guess I would think about maybe The Lion King. <laughs> so The Lion King, which is one of my all time favorite movies because it's super dope. Uh, I think about that scene with Simba where, spoiler alert, like he sees his father die in like this uh, stampede and you know it's a very traumatic experience for him but then he ends up seeing like his evil uncle, Uncle Scar behind it and he's on the run for his life you know so he runs out and he meets Timon and Pumbaa and they're out there just chilling, eating slugs and bugs and stuff, singing Hakuna Matata, what a wonderful phrase, right? And uh, means no worries for the rest of your days, living my best life. Uh, and then he goes out and he uh, he's talking with Rafiki, right? And uh, he's the baboon, like the super kind of wise sage baboon and Rafiki's trying to get his mind right. But he ends up in this field and he sees like a vision of his father, his father Mufasa. And basically his father is reminding him of who he is. And I love the part where he's like, remember who you are, remember, <laughs> remember. <laughs> I feel like such a dork, but y'all know what I'm talking about. Where he's like, remember, you know, like you are the king of the pride. You are the king, you're the king's son. And you need to go back and you need to handle your business, you know? And that's what I feel with Ephesians, where Paul is reaching out to the Christians in Ephesus. And they're like, he's like, yo, you need to remember who you are. Like, we are Christians. We are little Christs. Um, and that means something. And so he's reminding them and he's reminding us of our identity. Now, the difference with Ephesians and the Lion King, you know, Simba has to go back to his kingdom to save it. Uh, whereas Paul is reminding us that the kingdom of God is actually alive in us uh, and we're able to bring a redemptive element to whatever environment we're in because of the kingdom living inside of us. So that's what I think of when I think of Ephesians, like it's identity, our identity as a Christian. Like don't just get caught up in the trappings of this world, you know, hakuna matating your way through it when there's so much for us to be and there's so much for us to do. Um, so that's how we land here at Ephesians 5. There's so much in this chapter. I feel like there's so much in every chapter, but let's kind of dig into it. So right off the bat, verse one uh, and two actually, he says, therefore be imitators of God as dearly loved children and walk in love as the Messiah also loved us and gave himself for us a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. And that's what I love about scripture is sometimes you literally have to stop just at like verse one <laughs> and just hang there for a minute because he's saying be imitators of God, right? As dearly loved children. So think of like how kids are. Kids are the biggest imitators in the world. Like they will watch you 
and see what you're doing and then boom copy it like that that's why you got to be careful what you say around kids they're good accountability because they will mimic you and copy you like a parrot right and all of a sudden you're like where'd you learn that word from and you gotta think about what you just said five minutes ago but that's how kids are right they're they're imitators and he's saying in the same way that we are to be imitators of God we are to reflect his character we are to reflect his nature and our actions and our speech and our thinking um, and I think that's really powerful and specifically to imitate his love and he describes God's love as sacrificial and a fragrant offering to God and to really get the depth of, of what this means we have to understand even kind of the Old Testament um, frame of what it meant to sacrifice or to give an offering right so kind of pre-jesus's sacrifice on the cross we had to figure out something to do with this sin situation right and so god was like this is what we're about to do he had to sacrifice animals right and there's a whole thing about that that's like a whole nother probably 30 days worth of study uh, but basically they would sacrifice the animal almost symbolically uh, as like forgiveness or payment for their own sin. It would be like a bull or an ox or a lamb, right? Um, but then comes Jesus and Isaiah 53, seven, I believe actually talks about how Jesus was uh, uh, led to the cross in the same way like a lamb was led to the slaughter uh, where lambs actually are silent when they're led. Um, but Jesus is that lamb for us. He took on our sins. He paid the price of our sins and became that sacrifice. But then what's so cool, and uh, Kristen actually talked about this. Kristen Ware, shout out uh, to Flotus, <laughs> the caller, first lady. Uh, she's going to kill me for that. But she talked about Romans chapter 12 and uh, how we are to be a living sacrifice. So now, again, being an imitator, right? An imitator of God, the same way Jesus was a sacrifice for us, I mean, he offered himself to save us. Now our lives become an offering for him as worship. And we are a living sacrifice, right? Um, and I think, I think that's so important because you're going to be offering yourself to somebody and to something. And you're going to make sacrifices when you do it. And, and I think when we don't offer ourselves to God, that is the dangerous place to be because we will be offering our bodies and our minds and our time and our money and our resources to something or someone that isn't worthy of that type of devotion. Um, so I, I think that's just powerful already in verse one and two, right? Um, one of the areas that is the most challenging <laughs> for us to offer ourselves to God is our sex life. <laughs> Can I get an amen? I feel like I can hear it right now. Amen. That area is so challenging, isn't it? And so he, he hits this hard, like he talks about it. So let's look at verse three. Um, he says, but sexual immorality, any impurity, any greed, and really he's talking about covetedness. So like coveting over somebody else, even in a sexual way, should not even be heard of among you as is proper for saints. And coarse and foolish talk, so even like crude joking or sexual like jokes, they're not suitable, but rather instead you should be giving thanks for no one recognize this. No sexually immoral or impure or greedy person who is an idolater uh, has an inheritance in the kingdom of the Messiah and of God. So he even and notice like that's why I want to spend time on the offering thing, because notice that he says like those that choose to habitually live a life 
of just gratifying their flesh, their sexual nature. Again, sex is a beautiful, amazing, great thing that God himself created for the context of marriage. And anything outside of marriage is cheap. And what happens is not only is it cheap, but we see he equates it to like worshiping an idol. Again, if you're not offering yourself to God, you are offering yourself to someone who is not worthy of that type of devotion because they can't handle it um, and you can't handle it. And so there's, there's something to this thing where God is saying, I want you to imitate me. I want you to imitate my love. Uh, and even in this area, which I think sometimes can be really challenging for us. Then he goes on to say, let no one deceive you with empty arguments, for because of these things, God's wrath is coming on the disobedient. Therefore, do not become their partners, for you were once darkness. Not, it's funny, he doesn't say once in darkness. He says you were once darkness itself, but now you are light. Not just in the light, but you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the light results in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, discerning what is pleasing to the Lord. Don't participate in the fruitless works of darkness, but instead expose them, for it is shameful even to mention what is done by them in secret. Everything exposed by the light is made clear, for what makes everything clear is light. And what we see there is, and I think this is what happens in scripture, especially like in church, where verses like this, where it talks about like, don't do this, don't be shacking up, don't be drinking and smoking. That's not of God, you know? And it's this list of like don'ts. And a lot of us, I think we get turned off by that. But really this is not a list of don'ts. This is a reminder of identity. This is like, let me remind you who you are so you can recognize who you aren't and therefore what you shouldn't do because it's just not part of who you are. Like even in raising your kids or, or somebody like, it's not just saying, you know, I don't want you to lie, like don't lie. I think what will bother a parent about their kid lying is that I didn't raise you to be this person. I raised you to be a truthful person. And therefore in being a person of truth, you don't lie, right? And so this is what is happening in the scripture. He's not just saying like, don't have sex. I think that's what we hear in our head. Like, but when you look at that, that's not what he's saying. He's, he's talking about, you know, living in such a way where you're driven by these impure, immoral desires and passions and you're mastered by them and they're not pleasing to God and they're not even beneficial for you. But remember who you are. You are a holy people. You are set apart. You are God's children. You were once darkness, but God literally transformed your nature into light, into something completely different than not just what you used to do, but who you used to be. So when you live alternatively to your identity, there's a disconnect there because this is not who you are. Um, and so I think it's important to make that distinction. This is not a list of don'ts and what I can't do. This is a reminder of who I am. I'm called to be holy. I'm called to, to live in a way that is pleasing to God. Literally that word fragrance, that is a sweet aroma to God. And I think sometimes we think we think we're living our best lives. We don't realize that we we stink. <laughs> like that our behavior is kind of, woo, you know? Um, but that's what that transformation process is when you have to renew your mind and recognize, let the word shine light on your behaviors and your thinking. And then you realize, I mean, it's the same thing with just 
as you're growing up think about the stuff you used to do when you was younger so dumb like you would never do it now because you realize i should not go months without taking a shower i smell terrible and it's like poor hygiene you would never do that you know what i'm saying but there's just certain habits that you leave because you recognize that they're not healthy and this is what the word helps us do is to recognize when a lot of our past behaviors were actually not good for us like we thought they were. They may have felt good, but the results were damaging. But everything in Christ is good for us and the people around us. So I don't know, I just, I think this is good. Um, so then he talks about, let's skip down maybe to verse 15. It says, uh, be careful or pay careful attention then to how you walk, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. I think that's so like relevant to today. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is and don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless actions will be filled with the spirit speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing, making music to the Lord in your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ, right? And so he's talking about like in this time, it is so important to be sober-minded, but not just that, also filled with the Spirit. Because again, and I, the reason why I say it's so relevant today is because we always talk about, oh, there's so much so much going on in the political climate and the racial tension and all of this and then we got this pandemic but as believers i think we have to recognize our role on the earth and i think it's just important what paul is is reminding us is that we are not just to be spectators or even just speak on situations from a hopeless standpoint but we also need to not be distracted and we also need to not, and specifically by the text, I mean, he's talking about drunkenness, where you're pretty much either numbing yourself or just completely intoxicated. That's why they say you get wasted, because you're literally wasting yourself. And, and he warns against that. He says, instead, be filled by the Spirit. Um, and why the Spirit? That's going to be really important in chapter 6, so I won't spoil that. Um, but being filled with the Holy Spirit, um, and the evidence of that is how we worship corporately, how we have a song in our heart, how we give thanks instead of complaining, and how we put other people before ourselves, which I think we need a lot more of that. Um, we just need a lot more of that. And so let's wrap it up with these last few. <laughs> I'm gonna try not to breeze through it, but I wanna be concise because it's super like big. And so then he starts talking about Christian marriages, husbands and wives. Verse 22, wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church. And right now that, right, we gotta stop there because that verse has been so misused. And it's like, yeah, I'm the man of the house. I'm the head, I'm the head, you know? And then I can hear everybody, well, the head needs a neck, you know what I'm saying? And it just gets so like, it's just a lot. But understanding what the word submit means, First of all, that he starts saying, submit to one another. Um, there is a order in which God created things. And so we see that. But even the word submission, like think of it, submission. So sub means under or below. And so you're living under the mission. But what is the mission? It's the mission of God. So we that's why we have to understand the word. We have to understand God's plan and perspective uh, for our lives whether that's our sex lives, whether that's anything, how we handle our finances, how we treat others, 
and marriage and relationship and the mission of God, right? You can see, well, let's look. So it says, verse 24, now as the church submits to Christ, so wives should submit to their husbands and everything. Husbands love your wives just as also Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to make her holy, cleansing her in the washing of water by the word. He did, he did this to present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hates his own flesh, but provides and cares for it just as Christ does for the church, since we are members of his body. And so you see what the mission of God is for, for marriage, is that wives submit to the mission of God, which is submitting to the authority or the leadership of the husband, and respect for the husband, but literally just to be loved by the husband. And what they're submitting to is the husband's choice to lay down his life for his wife in every single way, to lay down his preferences, to lead the unit, because it's really a military term that, that's referring to like a unit. So he's leading the unit, the team towards Jesus. And in doing that, He's going to lay his life down for the couple, for his wife specifically, in every way. To lavish her with love, to make sure she's without spot or without wrinkle. And so when you think of it that way, it's kind of beautiful. And at the same time, that's a lot. And that's a huge responsibility. And I think it's sobering as well because you recognize that now in relationship, I'm not just looking for someone that's just attractive or that kind of gets, gets my wheels spinning a little bit. But is this somebody that I can respect? Is this somebody I could see, you know, submitting my, my opinions to and my preferences to? You know, and on the flip side, am I willing to lay down my entire life for this person and be committed to leading us to the mission of Jesus for our lives? Right? That is what marriage is in a nutshell. Um, so I told you this was a lot. Uh, we didn't even really dig into everything, but just stay in his word, y'all. His word is powerful. It's transformative. Um, and we need it. We just, we need it for life and for peace. If you're looking for answers, if you're looking for purpose, if you're looking for clarity, it's right here for you. Um, just got to open it up and take a look. Um, so let's pray. And then y'all have a great rest of your day. God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for your plan for our lives. I thank you that you are the one we should be imitating and that you're worth imitating because your love has made all the difference in our lives. And I pray that, our, that as we live out your love, we can maybe make a difference in other people's lives as well. Um, so you be glorified in, in all things. In Jesus' name, amen. I right, love you guys. Y'all have a good rest of your day.